Well, it is my great pleasure to welcome to the show Dr. Wheezy Sneezewitz. And if I understand correctly, you are the inventor of Disease X. Is that right? I am so, so sorry for everything that has happened. Oh, no. Dr. Sneezewitz, why are you so upset? Because it was my project. And I insisted. I insisted on everything. Well, Disease X was probably a collaborative effort, I would imagine, right? There was probably uh, a lot of sociopathic scumbags involved, weren't there? Everything had to be my way. And this is where we've ended up. And it's all because of me that we're here now. All right, all right, all right. Disease X probably isn't that bad. Why don't you just take a deep breath and calm down? going to die out here. Welcome back to Everything Allegedly. My name is Sean. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, I do appreciate it. And don't worry about Dr. Wheezy Sneezewitz. She's not a real person. Could you tell? <laughs> and, uh, and don't worry about the viruses getting you either because they are as real as the Blair Witch Project, which is which is where I got that that uh, that clip from. And my goodness, have you seen the Blair Witch Project? I know I'm probably dating myself uh, because I went and saw that movie in the theaters a long, long time ago. But boy, is it scary. Wow. <laughs> I hadn't seen it. Uh, I don't think since I saw it in the movie theater, and but I, I remembered that scene, that iconic scene where like the camera is pointing up that girl's nose and she's crying and everything. And uh, so I knew I wanted to use it. So I had to go and uh, look through a bunch of clips and boy, is it scary. I'm sitting down here in my dark basement, watching these clips, getting the EBGBs, looking around, making sure nothing's in the shadows. Woo. That movie was terrifying. And then it occurred to me that I probably chose it because it's so perfect a metaphor for what we're talking about. <laughs> I think you'll understand as we get into it just why that movie makes so sense so much sense because they never actually see the Blair Witch. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You had 20 years or something like that. I don't know how old the mo the movie is. It's pretty old though. So anyway, sorry about that if it was a spoiler. And um let's see what are we getting into today? You know, I want to do something new. I want to, because of the time interval between when the episodes come out, I would like to talk about the best and the worst news story of the week. That's what I would like to do. 
And uh, so we should start with the worst. You don't want to start with the best and then go to the worst. So let's start with the worst. And um, I'll put this one in the I was right again category. Because <laughs> I love to do that. But, you know, I don't want to be right about this one, but I was right about this one. And um, that is the fact that I said just two weeks after the October 7th incident in this new Israel-Gaza war that Israel is committing a genocide. <laughs> and that, was, that was somewhat radical to, uh, to say at that time. Uh, people were still kind of a little bit worried to say something like that, but I thought I had enough evidence to do so. And now... The uh, International Court of Justice has just ruled that that is the case. A suit that was brought by South African uh, government uh, uh, to uh, to to show that what Israel is doing is committing a genocide against the Palestinian people, and it's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> at what point? At, at what point do you say yes? This is obvious, and we need to do something about it to stop it. What is the count at this point? 30,000 innocent people just bombed to death? I mean, it's crazy. It's terrible. So, yeah, that's the worst story of the week. You know why? You know why it's the worst? Is because this war just continues. You know, I made a post, and in that post, I, I was talking about how, you know, you read about these things happening in history. You read about these atrocities, these massive, uh, you know, death events, these genocidal events, and you go, my God, how did that happen? How did the people at that time let that happen? And then you live through one and you go, oh, shit, it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't it, it just it's not a factor at all. They just continue doing it. They, they publish the numbers. They say, yeah, this is how many innocent people we're killing. Too bad. What are you going to do about it? Take it to an international court. They say, yeah, you're committing a genocide. They say, yeah, too bad. We're not going to do anything about it. Just keep doing it. So it's a little heartbreaking. Yeah, that is the worst story of the week. And there was some more uh, Israel-Gaza news that, uh, that broke, and that was the uh, 24 IDF soldiers that were killed. That were killed. And did you hear how they were killed? Do you know what they were doing? They were wiring buildings with explosives. Hmm. Is that, uh, is that, is that something that uh, soldiers normally do? Just, just wiring residential buildings with explosives? Why would they do that? <laughs> they just don't want people to have homes to come to, I guess, right? I'm sure they have some kind of story about it, like, oh, they got to take out infrastructure or something. Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. That's, you know, what they, they always seem to say. And, you know, they even blamed that, those 24 soldiers' deaths on Hamas. This, as the story goes, now, now let me weave this tale for you. As the story goes, the IDF soldiers were just there, you know, innocently wiring buildings uh, with explosives so that they could demolish the homes of all of these displaced millions of people. And a... Uh, sorry about that. Uh, and a, a, a lone Hamas member comes up out of a tunnel and fires an RPG, which creates a domino effect, setting off all of these charges 
and uh, I guess exploding the buildings down upon these poor IDF soldiers who were just there to demolish homes. That's all they were doing. And so, you know what? That story sounds like a lot of nonsense to me. It doesn't sound real at all. What it sounds like is that these soldiers blew themselves up and then never let a good crisis go to waste. Oh, yeah, let's just say a Hamas guy popped out of a tunnel. I tell you what, the information war rages on. And uh, it's a doozy these days. It's a doozy. I I tell you what, please, for the love of God, just be (laughs) anti-war. If nothing else, do not support war. Don't do it. But for some reason, like everybody in government, everybody in Congress, everybody in the Senate, they they just all love war. This new, uh, you know, the aid pack, not aid package, the border closing bill. Yeah, you can probably... uh, Imagine my air quotes. The border closing bill has something like $84 billion sent to Israel and to Ukraine. They're never going to win. What are we sending more money to them for? And uh, and now we're sending money to Israel, who is uh, determined to be committing genocide. I tell you, it's a clown world out there, people. <laughs> it's, it's not good. But let's now get into the best story of the week. Because um, because there is a best story of the week. And, um, oh, you know what? By the way, I should mention, I should mention, if you are interested in the uh, topic of Israel-Gaza war, there was a really good podcast, and it was uh, by Dave Smith, and he had RFK Jr. on the podcast, uh, because RFK Jr. is uh, very sadly in my opinion, supporting this war in, uh, I should say, supporting this genocide against the people of Gaza. So I would recommend, if you're interested in the topic, listen to the episode of Dave Smith's podcast called Part of the Problem, and I believe the episode is titled RFK Jr. Uh, Comes Back, RFK Jr. Defends His Position on Israel. Believe that's what it's called. Anyway, look for that. Uh, both of those guys really know what they're talking about. Obviously, I favor um, uh, Dave Smith's take on the issue. Uh, he's, uh, I think he is rightly, legitimately, and consistently anti-war. And I think he makes a very good case, despite how well RFK Jr. does trying to defend that genocide. So give that a listen. And um, there, there was one part that was very telling uh, about uh, with something that RFK Jr. said. He said that, uh, you know, when we fund these foreign conflicts, don't worry because all that money comes back to the U.S. anyway through weapons contracts. Isn't that nice? My God. No, it's not nice. <laughs> it's terrible. All right. Now let's move on to the best story of the week. The best story of the week. I will have to play you a clip. I don't know if you saw it. This one was more probably Twitter news or X news as it's called now. But um, this came from a journalist, again, air quotes, journalist Taylor Lorenz. She's a, again, Washington Post something. And um, well, I'll just I'll just play it for you. This is what she had to say. 
entire journalism industry is basically in a free fall. Today, the Los Angeles Times laid off 115 employees. They wiped out their entire D.C. bureau in an election year. Major media companies like BuzzFeed News have completely shuttered their news operations. Time Magazine also just laid off a ton of people. And, oh, Sports Illustrated basically shut down last week. Pretty much the entire digital media ecosystem that myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in has been completely hollowed out. Meanwhile, hundreds of workers at Condé Nast, the parent company of pretty much every major magazine from GQ to Vogue to The New Yorker to Vanity Fair are on strike because they're also facing impending layoffs. Even if you do get a job, journalists' salaries have been stagnant and even declined. And by the way, we don't make that much to begin with. I don't think people understand how bad the world would be without journalists. Oh, isn't that so sad? Oh, Taylor, all your friends are getting fired. (laughs) You know, I don't want anyone to lose their job. But that clip is so wonderful, isn't it? It's, it's really nice. That's why it's the best story of the week. It is music to my ears. Because you know what? For all of Donald Trump's faults, the, the biggest thing, the best thing that he added to this world is two words. Fake news. <laughs> yes, thank you, Donald Trump, for that. He added fake news to the lexicon. You know, there was pockets of it here and there. You know, the news is uh, candy coating stories, telling lies. But you know what? It just wasn't. they, They really put their cards on the table with Donald Trump because they lost their minds. They got so angry that they just decided to go whole hog with their craziness and really showed their hands. And uh, now we know that they're all fake news and they're all just nonsense, bullshit, propaganda, and nobody's watching anymore. Nobody's listening. Nobody is consuming their terrible content and they're all losing their jobs for it. And you know what? Fine. Start doing, start doing journalism and you'll have a job again. But, um, you know, they're Project Mockingbird. That, that's the problem. All of the outlets she's mentioning are these legacy media, Project Mockingbird, where what they do is they get their marching orders from the CIA, and then they just print that, and that's what they report on. They don't do actual journalism. They don't investigate anything. Have you seen those clips where all of the local newscasters are saying the exact same thing? It's because they're reading for a script from a script. And our First Amendment here in America, the reason we have free speech is so, yes, so so the average person can speak freely, yes. But what it's really meant to do is not limit the speech of those who were making the news. See, I have a, a pretty big reach with my voice just sitting here in my basement. But at the time the First Amendment was written, almost nobody had a voice. And so the few people who are able to get their their words into a newspaper or, you know, shout it from a soapbox or something, well, they wanted to make sure that those people, those, those precious few, really, could have a check on power because that's what it's all about. Journalism and free speech is about having a check on power to expose the awful things that these people do so that we, the people, can do something about it. And so the purpose of this podcast is to undermine 
the status quo narratives. Really, that's all I'm trying to do here is present some different ideas. You probably don't believe everything that I say, and I hope that's true. But what I'm trying to do is plant the seed so that um, so that there's just not one stream of information that we're all consuming. Because if that's the case, we're just all slaves to it. So the media, especially the legacy media, these types that she's talking about, that is my number one foe. That's who I'm going after here. Me, the lowly guy in my basement, I do have a voice. Thanks to, to you guys, I do have a, a you know pretty good voice. The, the show does pretty well. And, um, and I have the ability to, uh, to check that legacy media power. And so when Taylor Lorenz comes on and cries about how they're all going out of business, oh, well, <laughs> oh, it's so sweet to me. Anyway, let's get into the topic in hand. Let's talk about disease X, right? Ooh, it's scary. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's making its rounds through the through the legacy media, through all those uh, all those people that she just mentioned are getting fired. But you know, the nice thing about this deadly, deadly disease, disease X, the very nice thing about it is it doesn't exist. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Well, first of all, because viruses don't exist, but also because literally in their own words, in the words of the World Health Organization and all these other lizard organizations, it doesn't exist. <laughs> and um, I, I will actually read from you uh, some of these here. So, so this is from a, an article about Disease X, and it said, we have no idea what Disease X can do because we don't know what disease X is. So, so there you go. Disease X is not a real thing. It's a placeholder. Disease X is, uh, it's like saying I have X amount of money, you know? And uh, if we go to the World Health Organization page, what it says here is that uh, the WHO um, tool distinguishes which, no, I'm sure... They're all tools working at the who, but anyway, it says distinguishes which diseases pose the greatest public health risk and uh, due to their epidemic potential and whether there is no or insufficient countermeasures. And they list these, uh, these priority diseases. <laughs> COVID-19 is on the list. Uh, MERS is on the list. Zika, which is fake. They're all fake, but that one's extra fake. And then disease X is down there at the bottom. And um, it then there's an asterisk. And it says disease X represents the knowledge that a serious international epidemic could be caused by a pathogen currently unknown to cause human disease. And Research and Development Blueprint explicitly seeks to enable early cross-cutting R&D preparedness that is also relevant for an unknown disease X. So there you go. Disease X is not real. Disease X is their wish list. Disease X is what the lizards would like. <laughs> And remember, they did all those preparedness exercises. They they went through all those their wish lists before. And disease X is not a new thing. It's uh, th this was added to their preparedness 
whatever nonsense list in 2018, but they're really starting to go live with it. Remember, Red Team Go, Red Team Go. Remember that with the number 33? Well, I think Disease X is their Red Team Go. That's like, we're going to do the next one. We're going to do the big one. (laughs) We're going to do Disease X. Now, I found this little tidbit of information, which I thought was just silly, so I'll read it uh, here for you. And it says, it says, quote, there are 1.67 million, 1.67 million unknown viruses on the planet. (laughs) Using our best estimates, anywhere between 631,000 and (laughs) 827,000 of these have the ability to infect people. Okay. Scientists currently know that only 263 viruses that can infect people, uh, which means that we know almost nothing about 99.96% of potential pandemic threats. Now, (laughs) I've heard some bullshit in my day, but boy, I mean, that's that's a heavy one, right? Isn't, Isn't it? I mean, they're just pulling numbers out of their ass. They're just saying, yeah, we think there's like millions of these things and they're around and they can probably infect people, but they're not, you know, that's, that's the problem, right? Why don't we have a hundred, one, 1.67 million different symptoms? That's oh, because we, <laughs> the sickness we all experience is the same damn thing. It's the cold. It's the flu. It always is the same, it's the same damn thing, right? And yet there's 1.6 million viruses floating around. Give me a break. These people are off the rails. It's silly and it's stupid. But the important detail in that, what I just read to you, that silly nonsense, the important detail is that they want it to be too confusing for you to understand. They want the numbers to be so big that you just tune it out. You just tune out. You go, yeah, it might as well be infinity, whatever. It might as well be infinity. And uh, they want it to be a threat, you know, a real threat, a scary threat that you can't see or touch or identify. There's millions and billions of them. They're everywhere. Trillions of them floating around the air. They can get you at any time. So be afraid. Be very, very afraid. <laughs> that's the point of it. That's that's the point of making all these nonsensical Uh, you know, massive claims about viruses. There aren't any viruses. There's not 1.67 unknown viruses. What they base this on are these ridiculous computer models that reassemble lines of of DNA code. Kind of like a Jurassic Park. If you ever if you ever saw Jurassic Park when when the uh, they're watching that infographic at the park and it says uh, we use a computer to fill in the holes in the code. Well, that's what's going on here. So they just theorize that there's all these viruses out there. Meanwhile, none of them exist. They're just basing it on snippets of code from a computer model. And so anyway, where does all this come from, though? Why all this fear? Well, one of the places we can look to to kind of get validation of what's all going on here is a a, a top secret document. And I believe it's from 1953. It's from the 50s and sometime at some time. But um, the document is called Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. And now in the 1980s, a photocopier was purchased from the from the government or something. I think it was a, um, you know, like a like a geez, I'm blanking on the word 
like a yard sale. <laughs> the government had a yard sale and they were selling their copiers and there was a document inside. And, and that document is uh, supposedly silent weapons for quiet wars. And what is this document all about? Well, it's all what it really boils down to is is the government should create problems and then offer solutions. That's really what the document is all about. And I'm going to read a little uh, from the document here. Bear with me. It's important stuff. I think you should hear it. So bear with me. I'm going to read from this section of the document is called Diversion, the Primary Strategy. It says, Experience has proven that the simplest method of securing a silent weapon and gaining control of the public is to keep the public undisciplined and ignorant of the basic system principles on the one hand while keeping them confused, disorganized, and distracted with matters of no real importance on the other hand. Now, could you think of a matter of no real importance? That keeps you occupied. You know, there's a pretty good one. <laughs> it's called viruses. That's what they're doing. They're trying to keep us occupied. And uh, again, from the document, it says uh, in this section, this is achieved by number one, disengaging their mind, sabotaging their mental activities, providing low quality program of public education in mathematics, logic, systems design, and economics. Okay, well, they're succeeding at that one pretty well. Number two, engage their emotions, increase their self-indulgence and their indulgence in emotional and physical activities by unrelated emotional affrontations and attacks. Okay, so this is like mental and emotional rape by way of constant barrage of sex, violence and wars in the media. And B, giving them what they desire in excess junk food of thought and deprive them of what they really need. And then number three, rewrite history and law and subjecting the public to the deviant creation, thus being able to shift their thinking from personal needs to highly fabricated outside priorities. Huh. So what would some of these outside priorities be? You think it's worrying about diseases that aren't real? That would be a pretty good one. That would occupy your mind, right? I mean, look at the last three years we had. Were people occupied with it? I think they were. I think they were. (laughs) It's a great way to keep people's minds paralyzed, right? Keep them busy with fear. You know, don't worry. Don't don't pay attention to the the man behind the curtain. Don't, uh, Don't worry about the banking. Uh, don't worry about your health. You'll own nothing. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the total takeover of your government by people who don't give a flying f- about you or your family. <laughs> I'll bleep that one out. <laughs> don't worry about what's in the food, you know, what's sprayed in the skies. Uh, be worried about the silent weapons, right? Be worried about the silent weapons. Be worried about the ones you can't see. And so that's what they're doing, right? That's why you're hearing about Disease X. The World Economic Forum's annual meeting just happened in Davos, Switzerland. It's a very nice place. They all fly their private jets there to, uh, you know, talk about our safety and well-being, right? Because they love us so much. Isn't that what they do? 
Anyway, uh, while they were there thinking about us and, well, they were very concerned with disease X this year. And it was said that uh, the WHO has warned that disease X could result in 20 times more fatalities than COVID-19. And that healthcare professionals warned that any new pandemic could be even deadlier, killing an estimated 50 million people worldwide. Woo, that's a scary number, right? But you know what is weird? I mean, there really weren't any deaths from COVID. You know, the all-cause mortality really showed that nobody really died from COVID. People weren't dying in excess until the vaccine came out. So there you go. How do they know the next pandemic, even if it is a real thing, how do they know it could kill 50 million people? Why not 100 million? Why not 500 million? Why not 2 billion? What exactly are they basing all of this nonsense on? You see, it's not based on science. It's not based on data. It's not based on anything. It is a silent weapon for a quiet war, just like the document I told you about. This is meant to scare you. It's meant to keep your mind occupied. Right? Because disease X is coming. It's going to get you. (laughs) So give us your money. Give us the power or else, right? Or else 50 million people die. Doesn't it make you wonder, though? They were so bad with the last pandemic. I mean, just think, just think about how the public health officials handled the last pandemic, handled COVID. It was abysmal. It was pathetic. <laughs> it was completely ridiculous. You know, first of all, they couldn't they couldn't stop their fake virus from uh, from getting here to America, right? Despite their stupid travel restrictions, and and uh, they didn't slow the spread. Didn't slow the spread of the fake virus, uh, despite you know putting you in your home and making you a prisoner there. They uh, they didn't offer any effective treatments. Remember. Um, and then when there was effective treatments, they demonized those in favor for, of a, uh, vaccine that was just coming out an untested vaccine at that. And then if you remember the vaccine went from 99% effective and it was 95% effective and 70 and then 55. And then, you know, you won't get hospitalized if you take the vaccine. And then it was like, well, you, you might, but it would be worse if you didn't get the vaccine. And then, oops, yeah, we just killed everyone. So they didn't do a very good job. I don't think that anyone thinks they did a very good job the last time around. And, you know, there's not a single admission of guilt let alone admitting their incompetence, not a single bit of it. They don't even say like, oh yeah, we made an innocent mistake. Sorry, our calculations were a little bit off. No, because they don't have anything to apologize for. They don't have anything to apologize for because they carried out their mission perfectly to make the public think they were going to die of a virus that doesn't exist. But they want you to think they did a great job, right? They want you to think that they can save you. Create the problem, offer the solution. Because they did create it. There was no virus. There was no virus. It was all in your head. Thanks to the media, the talking heads, and the the fake government medical system. 
You remember, speaking of which, do you remember Deborah Burks? Deborah Burks with her dumb scarves. She would get up there and <laughs> talk about how terrible COVID was every day with her different scarf. Well, you know, she is not really the medical professional that you think she is. You know, you know who Deborah Burks is? Well, she's military intelligence. That's where she came from. Military intelligence. Speaking of military intelligence, do you think that the uh, concept, do you think that what happened with COVID, do you think that was new? No, it wasn't new. Because as I just mentioned, silent weapons for quiet wars, let's call that the psychological end of the operation. Silent weapons for quiet wars is our window into the, uh, I'll say, historic precedence of the psychological fear campaign operation against us. Now, when we talk about the physical end of this operation, we need to talk about something called MK Naomi. You might have heard of Operation MK Ultra. MK Ultra is the one that gets all the love because it's the fun one. It involved the LSD and uh, dosing soldiers um, without their knowledge, giving them LSD and performing tests on them and whatnot. There were also some some not so uh, not so fun parts of MK Ultra. Uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was actually one of the test subjects of MK Ultra, where uh, he wasn't given acid, but he was actually uh, he was a genius. By the way, he was. Uh, I'm not just saying that he was like a bona fide like savant genius and so they would they would mess with him they would mess with his his brain they would like put him in a debate and he didn't know that everybody else there was an actor and there was no way he would be allowed to win the debate despite any points that he made so they just drove him crazy so anyway that <laughs> that's a tangent because we're not talking about MK Ultra we're talking about MK Naomi which was basically uh, around the same time. But this is like the physical side of the, uh, the silent weapon. There was a 1975 document that came out, and I believe it was during the, uh, the uh, church committee hearings. And uh, th these were Senate hearings from uh, 1975 that were basically investigating the alphabet agencies, uh, you know, these scumbags and what kind of shit they were up to. And um, they did this in the Senate, and they kind of figured out about a bunch of these projects. I have mentioned before that um, they had a gun that uh, shot like a frozen uh, pellet of of um, of, uh, of venom, and that's actually from from this what we're talking about. And so one of the operations that they talked about in uh, the church uh, committee hearings were was this MK Naomi. And basically, uh, it was the CIA or the, the precursor to the CIA uh, creating, using, storing pathogens and, and the ways to distribute them. And so what they were doing was they were stockpiling biological warfare agents. That's what MK Naomi was. And um, it, their objectives were uncovered during this hearing. And uh, it was said that their objectives were, A, to maintain a stockpile of incapacitating and lethal agents, B, 
to maintain dissemination systems. C, C is redacted. We don't know what C was. And then D, to provide technical support for offensive and defensive bioweapons. So, you know, they always say, of course, oh, this is for operational readiness or whatever, but it's not just for that. Nope, it's not just for that. It's domestic. <laughs> it's definitely uh, used domestically. And in fact, I found a, uh, a New York Times article. And this is from that, that article. It says, the documents show that the CIA had used the New York City subway system as a trial model for a study on the vulnerability of subway riders to a covert attack. The CIA officials have said they flooded the New York subways with a harmless stimulant of disease-carrying gas. Excuse me, harmless simulant of disease-carrying gas. Sure, guys. <laughs> harmless. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you say, CIA. So what do you think happened? What do you think happened after they discovered this uh, CIA operation to uh, to create these uh, pathogens, these pathogens and these uh essentially pandemic creating uh, systems. What do you think happened to them? You think they just shut down? You think they just said, ah, darn it. We're going to go home now. You caught us. No, of course that's not what they do. That's, that's not what happens at all. No, they just went right on doing the same shit. They probably called it something else and they probably uh, were more secretive about it. So it didn't end up in any more hearings probably took the money from a black budget, you know, because, you know, when $70 billion goes to Ukraine, you think all that money's going to Ukraine? <laughs> no, no, that money's going into black budgets. That's how they're able to do stuff like this. And so they went right on. They went right on thinking, how do we make people scared and sick? And, you know, let me just tell a story because this subway thing, this uh, CIA spraying a uh, a harmless simulant into the subways to uh, to test their disease making machines or whatever. Well, it really m reminded me of when I got COVID. Now I can't say that it was COVID because nobody can, and because I didn't take a test, I'm not dumb enough to take one of those tests. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I never took a test, by the way, but. Um, but I got sick. I did get sick. It was right around the time. It was November of 2020. And um, I lost my taste and smell. It was so bad. I had a, a, a baby at the time. And, uh, and we couldn't even smell the diaper. It was crazy. No taste, no smell. Something happened. I had a very bad headache. Very bad. It was like one of the worst headaches I've ever had in my life. And it lasted for a very long time, a couple of days. And I believe... That what happened to me was I was poisoned. It didn't feel like a seasonal cold. It didn't feel like a flu. It didn't feel like anything I have had before. And I've heard other people say they felt like they were poisoned. Um, I heard um, Harrison Smith. Uh, he is a, a, another uh, radio or, or podcaster for InfoWars. And I heard him say the very same thing. It felt like I had been poisoned. Now, I was in New York City a lot at the time. I was working down in the city doing 
what I do, um, you know, pathogen mitigation stuff. And so I could have very easily been, you know, exposed to a, a toxin of some kind. Could have gotten on my clothes, could have brought it home, something like that. And now the funny thing is I know what synthetic poisoning feels like. I know what the, it's hard to explain, but um, I will say that because of my background and using drugs, you can feel the difference between the ones that say come from a poppy plant and the ones that are manufactured in a laboratory. So I'll just say that much. And um, there was another important uh, detail in the MK Naomi documents that um, that was really striking to me because one of the things in the document said that it that they had a um, a microsporum that could produce severe skin disease. One of the very interesting things that happened to me uh, when I got sick, when I got poisoned, I believe, is that right after those symptoms of the headache and the you know loss of taste and smell, once that stuff went away, my skin like started to peel off. On my left arm in particular, it was so bad that I thought I had... Um, touched poison ivy, which I'm not actually allergic to, but I thought that I had a poison ivy rash. It was my entire arm. But because it was November, I wasn't really outside gardening at that time. I thought maybe I had put on a shirt that had the oils on it or whatever. That's definitely not what it was. It ended up being way worse. And my arm skin was just peeling off. Um, it happened a little bit to my wife too. And so that's not typical of a cold or a flu, but it coincided with the symptoms that I had. And I just thought that was really strange that um, in the 1950s, they were talking about how they were stockpiling something that produced severe skin disease, because I definitely had that. And they were doing all of this because viruses don't exist. They had to do this stuff <clears throat> For one, so that they could make people sick with a toxin or something. But the real way that they manufacture a pandemic is through hypnosis, through the messaging, redirecting seasonal illness, redirecting your ideas about seasonal illness, and uh, distributing poison to create the novel symptoms. That would be a good way to do it. Pumping the fear. Fear, fear, fear. And then what did they do with this last one? Encourage the unhealthy behavior. They said, stay inside, no social contact, no exercise, gyms are closed, order fast food, and uh, spray toxic disinfectant all over everything. Because you know that stuff kills your gut. So that's how they really manufacture these pandemics. By the way, the common denominator between MK Naomi and Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, it's the Rockefellers. The Rockefellers are involved in all this stuff. The Rockefellers were involved with the Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, and they were also involved in the, uh, they were kind of running cover. They were uh, cleaning up the damage from the uh, church committee. So the Rockefellers, they're all up in this stuff. All up in it. All about it. <laughs> That's their business, after all. Control, right? All right, so let's get back to their goals. Why go through all this trouble? Why go through all this trouble to uh, make us sick, to make us think we're getting sick, 
to uh, create entire apparatus around it. And, um, you know, other, other than a bunch of useless people collecting a paycheck, why go through all the trouble? Well, it's to control you. It's all about control, to put you into their slave system. They want you to work because they want you to pay taxes and they don't want you to question anything. So do as you're told, surf. Do as you're told, pleb. So they create a constant emergency, constant emergency. And it's not just pandemics. You know, this is this is war. This is the nuclear bomb, right? The, the nuclear bomb since uh, since World War II. There's been threats that the bomb's going to hit you, right? And then terrorists. Remember terrorists? Terror. They're going to get you. They're everywhere, right? There could be a terrorist hiding in your neighborhood. He's got his explosive vest on. You never know where they're going to be. They're everywhere. They're nowhere. And they can get you at any minute. You see what I mean by all of this? You see what I mean? It's all just meant to keep you in a constant state of fear. And I'm not just assuming this. I'm not just saying it because, well, it kind of makes sense. Well, there's studies that show this. There are studies that show if you are scared, you will follow orders. You'll behave like the good slave that you are if you're scared. So I have a uh, study here, and uh, I won't read too much of this one. It's like it's like 30 pages long. See, if I had a document cam like Alex Jones, we could go to it now. Uh, give me the document cam. So here we go. This study is from uh, 1998, and it's called Fear Then Relief, Procedure for Producing Compliance. Beware when the danger is over. And this was done in Poland. There's a bunch of names and everything. You can look this up. In fact, I'll post it in the show notes. Now, it opens with this interesting uh, little uh, couple sentences here. It says, accounts of Nazi occupation or Stalinist times often describe interrogations carried out in a rather peculiar way in an effort to force the prisoner to testify against himself or his friends. The, in- the interrogator strives to put him in a state of grave anxiety. He yells at the prisoner, threatens him with torture and sports a whip. After a while, all these elements of the threat disappear. The whip returns to the drawer and the questioning voice grows nice and soft. Frequently, the sudden withdrawal of the source of anxiety intensifies compliance. And so that's what this study is all about. As I said, it's a big study. It's a bunch in here. So go click on that link if you're interested. But I am just going to cut to the chase. There's five different experiments that are done in here, and they're you know fairly simple experiments. They are just scaring people with uh, you know fake traffic tickets and things like that, and um, upping people's anxiety, and then sort of making requests of them and seeing how compliant they are. But I'll just read to you a little bit from the summary here at the end. It says, summing up the results of the five experiments presented in this article, we may say that the fear-then-relief technique is remarkably effective, reliable, and a strong strategy to intensify compliance. 
I read a lot of studies, and that is a really definitive statement, right? They're saying that the results of all of their five experiments show that fear then relief is a perfect strategy for making people compliant. So I'll post that in the show notes. Take a look at it if you're interested. So there you have it. That's what all of this is about. That's why all the talk of disease X, that's why, that's why you're hearing, you're probably hearing a lot of talk in the alt media space. You know, assuming you listen to other shows like mine, a lot of these are talking about gain of function. Ooh, it's so scary, right? Gain of function, but they're not real because viruses aren't real. So they can't make them in a lab. They can't gain a function them. They can't mix them around. It's just more fear and propaganda. Don't listen to that. It's preposterous anyway. You've probably heard some of them. Um, I, I've heard, I've heard, you know, ridiculous things like they've they've taken HIV and and you know mixed it in with some Ebola and like a pangolin's gonna sneeze in your soup or something. I don't know, whatever. It's just ridiculous. They talk about these, these uh, like, like the opening to this show, they talk about these scientists who are just crafting new viruses in laboratories. It's all fake. It's not real. Now, scientists might be creating dangerous things in a lab. We just saw that. We just saw that with MK Naomi. And, uh, and we know that, uh, you know, bioweapons and stuff like that do exist. But creating a pathogenic virus that spreads from one person to another, you know, giving you whatever, HIV, Ebola, whatever, that's not real. That doesn't exist. And, um, you know, again, what they're talking about are these ridiculous genetic code sequences where they find little snippets of this and that here and there. And, uh, you know, these computer algorithms are adding sections of code back in and they're coming up with, you know, strings of code that they say, oh, wow, it looks like there's something in HIV that is also in this strain of COVID. But it's all computer models. It's all fake. It's not real. It's junk science. And in fact, the... uh, (laughs) The whole topic of of DNA and viruses is a podcast in and of itself that I could do. I don't know if that would be super boring, but but anyway, that is another topic for another day. But just know that's how they do it. When they say say, uh, we found that that a a, uh, HIV uh, sequence within this COVID, it's just because the, um, the computer is coming up with these you know, random strings of code and they, they sometimes fit other things. That's why they say there's 1.67 million known viruses and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, let's wrap this up. Let's bring this in for a landing. Okay. I hope I have at least proven not only that uh, disease X is totally fake because again, the world health organization admits that it's just a ridiculous placeholder meant to scare you. So yes, uh, disease X totally fake. It's just a, f- a fear campaign, and uh, there's there's not 50 million people that are going to des- die from disease X because zero people are going to die from a virus. And um, we went straight from their playbooks. You know, we 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 looked at silent weapons for quiet wars, like um, 
And examples of of these silent weapons are, um, you know, HIV, terrorism, climate change. That's the new big one, right? They're all just meant to make you scared so that you'll be compliant. You'll take their drugs, and then those drugs will actually make you sick. These things are just meant to poison your mind. Don't let them do it. Don't fall for it. Think about COVID, right? If there was no news, there would have been no disease. Nothing really happened in COVID. And we all know that now. So if they wouldn't have been flapping their gums on TV... If all those people that Taylor Lorenz mentioned who are losing their jobs wouldn't have been on TV telling us to be scared and go inside our house, nobody would have known anything was even happening. So fortunately, all those liars are losing their jobs. That's a good thing. It's a good thing for us. So don't live in fear. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Don't live in fear. It's not good for you, and that will actually make you sick. Live in faith, faith in God, faith in nature, and faith in yourself, faith in your own body, that your body was divinely created and knows how to heal itself. We weren't put here with 1.67 million viruses looking to kill us all. It's just not a real thing. We get sick by being unhealthy, by consuming poisonous foods by living sedentary lifestyles, by not getting enough sunlight. This is the kind of stuff that makes us sick. So don't fall for the fear campaign. Live your life. (laughs) Anyway, I got a song for you today. And as I was writing this episode, it immediately came to mind. This one was a no-brainer because this song, by the way, is by the Funk Junkies. And the song is called The End. Now, the Funk Junkies were like a, you know, early 90s to 2000s kind of hip-hop, rock, funk type mashup. And it was really great music for their time. They were they were quite ahead of their time because they were doing this like basically in the 80s, early 90s. And it was really good. It was really original. It was really unique. It's a bit juvenile now when I listen to it. But at the time, it was really good. They never really achieved much uh, commercial success. And um, I think that was probably drugs had something to do that. You know, if you listen to enough of their music, it uh, it really comes through. And it's a shame. It's a shame because they, they were actually really good. If you've seen the movie Tommy Boy, the movie Tommy Boy with uh, Chris Farley, there is a moment in that movie where uh, Chris Farley takes a big rip off of a bong and then falls through a coffee table. And uh, at that moment, there is a Funk Junkie song playing. And as far as I know, that's the only commercial success they ever got. And um, so there you go. (laughs) If you watch Tommy Boy, you're going to hear a Funk Junkie song. And if you keep listening, you're going to hear another one right now. Now, the reason I picked this song is because in this song, there's a line that says, Is the bomb going to hit you? Is the AIDS going to get you? You see, there's nothing new under the sun, right? This album, uh, this song came out on an uh, album from 1993. They were saying the same stuff 20 years ago that uh, we're 30, geez, 30 years ago that, uh, that we're talking about right now. It's all the same stuff. 
<clears throat> 30 years ago, was the bomb going to hit him? Was the AIDS going to get him? <laughs> and so, you know what? No, no, <laughs> the AIDS aren't going to get you because as we found out, AIDS isn't real. AIDS doesn't kill anyone. That was all fake. People were dying from AZT. Anyway, the bomb's not going to hit you. The AIDS aren't going to get you. So until next time, see you later. You better go inside Before Mr. Brown Cloud eats you up and then you die